Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever the passion lights that pilot lights under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear It's streaming in HD, so fine tune both of your ears And standing Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth and sensible franchising Proving concepts and smart enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today Franchising today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, sustainable franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchising today. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. Today is Wednesday, March 28, 2018. I'm reporting live from the Woodlands, Texas, just outside of Houston. And my co-host, Stan Friedman, is about 30,000 feet above the United States, heading home. So he will not be with us today. He has spent the last day, uh, along with uh, Dr. John P. Hayes, who's now the Titus Chair for the Franchise Leadership and Director of the Titus Center for Franchising, at Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. Stan was there along with a bunch of other franchise notables uh, being on the advisory board of this great new program. And a matter of fact, you'll be able to learn more about that program as Dr. John Hayes will be our guest next week on Franchise Today. So Stan, safe travels. You know, today is a day of giving, which is the uh, end of the month of giving, from Jersey Mike's. Uh, Jersey Mike's uh, expects to generate $6 million in sales today and give it all to charity. It's the subcompany's eighth annual day of giving when 1,360 Jersey Mike's sub-restaurants nationwide will donate their resources and, get this, 100% of sales to help local organizations. Day of Giving is the culmination of Jersey Mike's Month of Giving fundraising campaign that occurs every March, supporting more than 170 local charities across the nation. My hat goes off to Peter Cancro, the founder and CEO of Jersey Mike's, as well as his entire team and just an entire band of franchisees from coast to coast. Well done, Jersey Mike's. Um, on another note, you know, we routinely, or I guess, you know, on, on occasion, better than routinely, we have our segment of You Just Can't Make That Up. Yeah, this is another one. In and Out Burger sues Prankster posing as their CEO. Yep, that's right. The California institution, In and Out Burger, commonly takes legal action against other burger joints violating their highly coveted trademarks. But in its most recent claim, the fast food icon is suing a man for being the executive copycat and social media troll. The prankster barged into employee-only areas, making demands in front of customers. With the help of others, uh, the mid-March visits the, uh, were, were covertly filmed. Uh, savvy employees, of course, never bought into it because they know who the CEO is. Of course, that's the granddaughter of In-N-Out Founders. Uh, and that would have been Lindsay Snyder. So, you know, you just can't make those types of things up, and I'm glad to say at least it wasn't Kentucky Fried Chicken again this week who seems to be finding a regular place in our – you just don't make that up. Anyway, uh, today's show uh, is titled Flash Frozen. Um, we're going to have uh, Jerry Hancock. I'm going to introduce just a second 
who's the uh, co-founder and CEO of Sub-Zero Nitrogen Ice Cream. You know, he and his wife, Naomi, the other co-founder, said the greatest reward from their 12-year-old venture has proved the sense of discovery they've had in taking an idea from concept to implementation and now to expansion in growth. And just as Disney had a hit with the movie Frozen, Naomi and Jerry have a hit with Flash Frozen. Jerry, welcome to Franchise Today. Well, thank you. It's good to talk to you, Paul. You know, and, and, this, is, and this is definitely uh, long overdue. Uh, obviously, I, I, I know you and the brand uh, quite well. Uh, had worked with you, you know, some years back. And, of course, in a matter of full transparency, uh, my company, uh, Franchise Foundry, is, is working with you uh, again, and we're really excited um, to do so. But, of course, this is not about me and, uh, and my company today. It is about you and your company. And, of course, a lot of people would want to understand you know, how, how you got to this point, uh, how did Sub-Zero come about, what was the life of, of Jerry Hancock life be, be, before that? So take us back as far as you would like to the point of actually starting Sub-Zero Ice Cream. Okay. Um, well, I, I, um, I've learned, you know, you, you learn a lot as you grow in life, and one thing I've learned is that everybody's unique. And that's one thing. Everybody has their own, you know, experiences through life. I um, was an aircraft mechanic. I worked on F-16s, got a degree in chemistry, went to work in software engineering. So naturally, I went into food. So it's, um, but I, I was, um, got laid off from a software job. And, and this was, um, and I went to my wife and I said, you know, my chemistry degree didn't really get me very good GPA. It didn't give me a good good GPA to get into MBA school. So I, at least the ones I wanted to go to, and I um, and I thought let's just uh, you'll buy a franchise. And so we actually bought a franchise, and recognizing that there was a lot to learn from people that have done a business before. So and I think that's. Uh, um, I, I recognize, even though we bought a franchise at the time that wasn't very strong, um, the, uh, we bought a, a company, a, a wrap store. It was a, it had made we made burritos, and um, mm-hmm. but there was there was a franchising adds a uh, you know there's a lot of complicated things when you're opening up a. A store or a business, especially something that has branding with it, um, the recipes, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 menu boards, the you know, the sourcing, the you know, the decor, just all of those things. So I recognized early on that we uh, that that was of a, a benefit to buy a franchise and to to uh, use their knowledge, uh, the manuals, what have you. Now we had we had a very big space. We over um leased and um we um and we needed to add something else. And we had we'd planned for that. We'd kinda have like a a part we'd add a partition up between the space that we weren't using and and um we started looking to see what we could add. And um ironically everybody said ice cream. And I I had no idea. I just we started polling people and saying you know, what do you think we should add? We're going to add another counter, another store to the to this, you know, the combo concept. And um, and everybody said ice cream. I said, well, ice cream. I don't know anything about ice cream. So I started researching ice cream. And one thing that the ice cream manufacturers said is, don't do ice cream unless it's different. They said, they said people, you know, the brands are are strong, and that people will pass a local. And go to the name brand. They said the name brand is such a is a, is a really big deal. So, uh, and they gave one caveat, and they said unless it's different. So I then had to figure out what was different. So I started interviewing customers and asking what they liked about the top brands, and it all came down to customization. So then it was like, well, how do you make it more custom than? Uh, 
what was out there at the time, you know, where you'd add a mix in. And, um, and that's about all you could do. And, and the only thing I could come up with is flavors. Nobody could customize flavors. You know, your flavors have to be put in when they're frozen or before it's frozen. And so we define the product as freezed after you order it. So that's how it started. And then we just, you know, it was just roll the dice and let's see if we can figure out how to do it. Um, there weren't any nitrogen ice cream shops that I knew of. There was one store um, in Iowa that was using liquid nitrogen, but they weren't doing it in front of the customer. It was done with the batch. So it was done in the, mm-hmm. in the back room. They had a patent on the machine. They ended up going out of business mainly because they had a they developed the product while they were um, grad students at Iowa State, and Iowa State ended up uh, taking their patent back, and um, and so they really didn't have much to sell. So at that point in time, so they um, so, but it wasn't a it wasn't a customer facing product, and we we felt like if we were going to make something for the customer frozen, you know, from liquid, you know, to, you know, it had to be, it had to be all presentation had to be, you know, the, the big part of it had to be um, that customer interaction. So taking the product, starting from liquid, go to solid within seconds, all in front of the customer. Um, But so that's kind of, that's where we started in a nutshell. So what was it like up, when you were, when you were testing this out? I mean, obviously there wasn't, you know, type of recipe or process or whatever. I imagine mm-hmm. there had to be some trials and tribulations along the way. Yeah, it took. I figured when I, when we first started, we thought it would take about a year to test out, and it took about four years to really test out. And um, so we built our second store, you know, which was our you know our prototype store. The first store we were serving out of, but it was really the, and we were charging people, but it was still very, very, very prototype. And the second store was was more something that was um, re- reproducible. And so the uh, so from 2005 to 2008, you know, we we were just testing. And so when we nitrogen is really, really difficult to. So anyway, what, how it came about nitrogen, I guess so we first started looking at a lot of different processes. So we looked at, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to run it through uh, a small batch ice cream machine that would sit back in the counter and you'd have 15 of them going at a time and people would take the order. But it still takes about two and a half minutes to make an ice cream that way and it's just too long. And so it was, um, then you got a lot of cleaning, a lot of equipment, electrical, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. My degrees in chemistry, I, I mentioned earlier that everybody's unique. Everybody's got a unique uh, background. You know, I fairly mechani- I'm fairly mechanical because I, I worked on F-16s and, um, and uh, I've worked on cars before, but I had a chemistry degree. Um, so my wife saw an article in Popular Science and it was talking about um, – Liquid nitrogen ice cream. I actually it was, uh, but it wasn't didn't give enough information to re- really reproduce it. And then when I when I actually interviewed the author years later, you know he said, well, he's you know the pictures weren't, you know what the product was, so it was it was kind of a, um, you know, and there was a lot of language in the article that that were meant as a joke, and. Um, like they use this, they, he used the word um, a syrup of liquid nitrogen, a syrup of liquid nitrogen. Well, there's no, nitrogen is not a syrup. He was just trying to, you know, be funny by using some um, cooking terms. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway, the point, the point of the matter is that, that uh, it sent, a, sent us off in different directions of, of, um, of uh, investigating how to do this. And so we tried, you know, like deep bowls, wide bowls, mixers. We tried all these different things. But the thing about nitrogen is it's really, really t- hard to control 
how it freezes because it just freezes so fast. And it doesn't mix. It doesn't, you know, dry ice will, when it's cold, will um, dissolve into the, the product. So if you're carbonating something or it will dissolve into it. Well, nitrogen doesn't do that. It, it, it has a completely different phase. And so it, it won't um, um, dissolve into the, the product. Now, that's to our advantage, actually, because it doesn't change the flavor, and it, it evaporates completely out. Um, but mm-hmm. understanding how to get the texture right was, was a challenge. Um, we ironically started with, um, you know, we had that other shop. We weren't really doing that well, and we needed to add something, tough location. And um, we started with all military surplus equipment. And so all of our original equipment, which um, some we still use today with uh, catering, um, we bought as military surplus. So it's <laughs> anyway. Very interesting. I could only imagine what it must have been like waking up every day trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to run into today? What is it going to be like? What do I do? How do I progress? What's the next steps? All the while you know, your mind thinking ahead, thinking back on some of the things that didn't work. I mean, uh, a four-year process of of perfecting something, I imagine at that point was more of a labor of love than than anything. Tell us some of the highs and lows during that that four-year period. Um, Well, it's always been, I don't know, there's, that period probably wasn't, it was, the hardest part is we just were um, trying to make something happen. At that point in time, we had a we had this store, this burrito shop that wasn't making money that we, um, I had to go back to work in software engineering. And so I was going back and forth, back and forth. Um, had a, um, was, uh, so I was going to my software job and then, working the lunch shift and going back to the software job. And then I'd go back and work the dinner shift. And then I'd test in between when I had time um, and then close at 11 o'clock at night and start the, the morning all over again. I did that for years, you know, like uh, quite a long time. So I I think I, I still had a software job when we were still had, uh, I think we had five stores. We still had five stores, and I was taking time off of the software job to go build um, um, other people's stores. So I would, um, because I, you know, at that point in time, we didn't have enough. You know, we were just anyway. That's that's how you know much of a bootstrap it was. So I was that was tough. I don't I don't remember that being. I remember now I think about it as like almost impossible. How could I even have done what we did? Um, but I brought in uh, on that first prototype store, I brought in a, I was pitching across the counter. So I'm making burritos and I'm pitching this idea across the counter as I'm making people's burritos. And I guess the thing that, uh, was the toughest is I got two guys to put up 10,000 bucks, uh, to build that first prototype store. And um, when what I what was probably the toughest was um, not having the partnership work. And then um, so they wanted to run the store very, you know, um, their way, which is fine, but I'm the one that's actually there. They weren't there. Um, and when I finally had people walking out, you know, because of lack of service, because of their um, operational things, I, I said, hey, this has got to end. And they said, well, buy, this, buy us out. And so I was like, all right. So I went and took a loan out for my dad and and bought him out. Um, so that, that's probably the um, – now there's a little caveat to that, and it's kind of interesting. People will do different things, and that's um, – and it's – while he's while I'm buying their stock out, and this is after hours, you know, he uh, this one individual goes and tries to steal the contract out of my 
briefcase. And years later, claimed that he owned <laughs> oh half the company. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so it's uh, so they think it, I think um, but you know the the probably the, the most rewarding thing is just solving the problems. Um, you right. know it it's when you when you think about I can walk into a competitor store that's using nitrogen now and I go oh you know what I bet the nitrogen cost is three times what mine is. I can tell. You know, nitrogen is not something that's very easy to measure, and it's uh, it's it's a very um, critical part of our business. So, you know, having something that's efficient and that works is is really important. So, anyway, well, I you can, know, talk, talking about it, Jerry talking about liquid nitrogen. I know, I know, at the beginning. It was an issue holding you back from expanding as quickly as as you and Naomi had hoped, and of course, that was the uh, the, the liquid nitrogen gas. And as it turns mm-hmm. out, um, many brands yeah. refused to sell you the product, you know, because of you know what they thought to be you know liability reasons. Well, you know, so I'm, you know, take I, us through that that part of, of of solving that problem to where you are today, because I know even franchise candidates today have a question right away yeah. about, you know, the safety of liquid nitrogen. So nitrogen is, just to clarify what it is, a nitrogen is an element that is on the periodic table, but it's, it's 80% of the air we breathe. So it's, it's very non-toxic. Um, but as a liquid, it, can, it has, um, it's very, very cold. So it has a, there's three components that can happen. When things are cold as a liquid, then they can expand into a gas. If they do that, they can cause pressure problems. So there's, there's three risks, and that's that if you have too much nitrogen, it drives out oxygen. So that's the safety uh, in a nutshell, is you're dealing with cold, you're dealing with um, uh, asphyxiation, um, but you're also dealing with uh, pressure. And all those things we dealt with, they're, it's very, very, very safe. Um, when I went to the talk to the uh, health department, the first time I talked, I walked in the store, or the, not the store, but, you know, the office, and I said, okay, this is what I'm planning on doing. I need your approval before we move to, you know, start <laughs> construction. And they said, you're doing what? And they said, you can't put a chemical into ice cream mix. And I said, and I was kind of, I, I really regret being so sarcastic, but I said, why not? And then I huffed and puffed. I went, <laughs> and then the guy, because I was trying to show, like, I breathe nitrogen. You guys are part of the health department. You should know this. And I'm, um, anyway, the guy turned around without even saying a word and went to the rest of the room, and he says, guess what this guy's going to do? So he started with, like, you're not going to do this to one minute the next minute saying, this is really cool. Let's look, let's, this is what, you know, basically approval. Um, now, you mentioned uh, difficulty in getting nitrogen. Well, when I first started, there really wasn't, you know, delivery for nitrogen for food. There was, there was just at the beginning of stages of, of CO2 delivery where they, they brought a bulk truck in and filled this bulk CO2 um, tanks that are in the back, but usually the CO2 were smaller tanks. So they, um, so they didn't, they really didn't have the equipment to do retail. And um, I was taking small 50 meter doers down to the welding shop and filling nitrogen. And I'd come back, and they vent, you know, when the, especially when they're first um, filled. So they vent, and it's cold. So if it's humid outside, it would leave a cloud of um, water vapor behind your truck and so, um, <laughs> so I'd be driving this uh, truck this little Nissan truck with these two tanks in the back and it'd be you know venting with the cloud and people would be honking at me like hey it's gonna blow and I'd be like <laughs> can't talk to them you know it's like yeah thumbs up and uh, so I just um <laughs> I remember those days as just being fun, um, but then, right. um, but then we went, and then I bought a, 
uh, then the next scale was like I'm going too often down to the welding shop to get nitrogen, and I thought um, I thought well I'll look and see what I can find military surplus bought a 400 gallon trailer tank um, you know from the Air Force and uh, still have it today take it in parades and do um, but we actually use it on a pretty consistent basis. So it's, um, but I started, I, I was going to have them come fill it out in the in the parking lot, and then I would just have a place to go fill smaller tanks off of. Well, when the, the uh, Praxair came and, and uh, looked at the tank, they said, well, you're not using food-grade nitrogen. And I said, what are you talking about? So they actually forbid me from going down to uh, pick up nitrogen from the welding shop. So I couldn't – I got cut off from supply right there. Now, the difference between wow. food-grade nitrogen and standard-grade nitrogen is food-grade is essentially medical-grade, and it has to be 99% pure. Standard-grade, on the other hand, is certified to be 99.99% pure. So dealing with a bureaucratic organization – that is it recognizing that 99.99 is more pure than 99 um, was a little frustrating. So I had to find an alternate supply, and and I, you know, ended up getting a truck and having to drive it down to a um, a fill plant and. $45 million uh, plant where they they'd actually liquefy the nitrogen and then pick it up and take it back. And um, so I, so, you know, as we go through this process, we had to find something sustainable, you know, and that's, that was probably the getting that leap in those four, in that time period, um, making the leap to where it's, it was uh, sustainable and reproducible. I obviously couldn't have a franchisee do what I did in the early days. It's just not possible. Sure. Um, Well, hold that thought. Hold that thought, Jerry. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Paul Segreto. Flying solo today as my co-host, Stan Friedman, is 30,000 feet uh, above the earth right now on his way back home to Atlanta. And my guest today is Jerry Hancock, the co-founder and CEO of Sub-Zero Ice Cream as he's telling us about the easy journey of entrepreneurship. Uh, Franchise Today is brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communications, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and prospective as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified as well with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and ensure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including text messages, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Franchise Today is also brought to you by Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as their franchisees. The Foundry team is rich in practical hands-on experience and expertise, with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry team can also assist you with creating roadmaps with potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. 
Learn more about the Franchise Foundry along with an expanding list of clients at www.franchisefoundry.com. Jerry, uh, you, you mentioned <laughs> you couldn't actually have early-stage franchisees doing what you were doing. I mean, obviously, uh, you had some hurdles to go through. Uh, but, of course, you were having fun along the way, and I know, you know, the customer experience is a big part of the experience at Sub-Zero Ice Cream. And I know um, you and Naomi were hoping to jumpstart some youthful curiosity. Um, I, you, you had a slogan for a while, Delicious Science. Um, you're the, you're yourself and the franchisees offering in-school demonstrations on how liquid nitrogen works with ice cream samples. I mean, you know, this is something they no longer had to go to museums. They could, they could see it live. I mean, to me, now working with you close, uh, with Sub-Zero Ice Cream, I mean, this is what, what I'm seeing. It's really not only a children experience, but a family experience. Tell us how that yeah. really helped change, you know, or, or actually evolve, you know, from just being an ice cream place to really being a destination, because that's the way I look at Sub-Zero, and that's the way I hear a lot of customers look at it. Yeah, it's um, – <clears throat> so – I've always liked exploratoriums or some of the, you know, and some of those things aren't really in most markets. You know, if you look at like the exploratorium in San Francisco or some of the other children's museums or science museums, they're, they're in Chicago, they're in, you know, uh, uh, Toronto. They're not in most cities. And if they are, they're kind of expensive. They're something you do. It's not something you can do every day. So when we started this, you know, we recognized that this was, a, you know, a science-based product. My uh, my wife's a uh, teacher, or she was a teacher, and um, and so, you know, we thought, you know, it, the the wonderment that you you get with learning, uh, with the History Channel, for a better term, or even uh, the Food Network. We get to see all these things on the Food Network, but you don't get to experience them. So, you know, it, it may be great to see, you know, Bobby Flay cook a burger, but unless you actually do it and taste it, then it doesn't become a complete experience. And that's one thing that we, um, we also recognize. And one of the reasons the science comes into play is because the product is, is so um, different. You know, when you freeze it that fast, you get smaller water crystals, and you also don't get air whip. Most ice cream is half air, and so it's um, so that air whip really changes the texture and the and and how it comes across on your um, palate. So it's um, so we recognized early on that 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 it was going to be. There's there's a lot of hurdles when you're dealing with brand something brand new. One of which is educating the public. If people have only known ice cream as one thing, um, you know how do you sh- how do you let them know that it's different? Um, I remember the first time when we first opened in that prototype store. <clears throat> counters open, signs on, menus up. And a guy walked in to get a burrito, and he says, when are you going to open up your ice cream shop? And I said, what are you talking about? I said, it's open. And he goes, well, where's your freezers? I go, oh. <laughs> you know, you, I guess you would expect to see freezers in an ice cream shop. But we don't have any freezers. So it's um, um, so some of those hurdles about, you know, how do you name it? How do you, you be clever but... You know, in that early stage, you can't be too clever. I, I one of the first word or signs I put up said Sub Zero Cryo Creamery, and I was thinking, and I remember that I mentioned earlier the, the company was called Blue Sky Creamery in in um, um, Iowa, and uh, I was I'd made contact um, with them and just let them know what I was doing, and it was. Um, and I, that I was calling it Cryo Creamery. Now, these guys are science geeks, you know, too. 
And they were like, oh, I wish I would have thought about that name. But Cryo is, I figured people have watched enough Arnold Schwarzenegger science fiction films that they knew what Cryo <laughs> meant. And, um, but people couldn't get past that word. They couldn't, they, they mm-hmm. wouldn't go to Creamery. They go, oh, Cryo, I don't know what that is. And they just give up. So naming things was, was difficult in the, in the early stage. We started with, you know, Sub-Zero, or then we went to Sub-Zero Ice Cream to just tell what it is. Now, then we could start to educate people once people came in. Today, we can say Sub-Zero Ice Cream, Nitrogen Ice Cream, but that's because we had 10 to 15 years of, of the, the public being educated on what that is. Wow. So to, I mean, it's, it's, it's been quite, quite a journey. And I know, you know, uh, I, I chuckled when you said about, you know, a, a customer not seeing, you know, freezers. And it really is something that I think has really helped, you know, the business model because you have a smaller, you know, real estate footprint. You don't have those expensive costs of freezers. It's actually the cost of entry getting into, you know, sub-zero is quite reasonable when compared to uh, others in the, in the frozen space. But you also mentioned something earlier about using the portable tanks to uh, to cater and to do demonstrations. And obviously yeah. that's a lot different than an ice cream place just bringing a bucket of ice cream and, and a scooper. Um, obviously that plays into it as well. What is the what is the day in the life of a franchisee look like uh, with Sub-Zero Ice Cream? Well, we don't really – most stores don't open until about noon – the busy times in the summer, we start about starts getting pretty busy about two or three, but really the when it picks up, it's at it's at you know eight o'clock at night. That's when our busiest time is. So sometimes it kind of feels like a you know family nightclub, if, if you will, because you just it's so late. It's after people. I learned early on that, um, and this is one of the probably the hardest things, is that. Um, about the timing is it, but in the burrito shop, if I knew by two or three what my day was going to be like, but in the ice cream <laughs> shop, I don't know what it's going to really be like till uh, eight thirty nine o'clock. Now I could probably set my clock on my on my last door. I, I could like I mean I really could. I could set my clock on when I'd see a line form. So it's it's fairly predictable. Um, and that in different different markets are going to be different uh, near Air Force bases. It's going to be earlier traffic, so it's going to be. Um, but then you know if you, you know the the thing that's nice about our product, you mentioned about going mobile. Well, ice cream is really really hard to take mobile. It's really difficult to keep frozen. You got to freeze it in an ice cream machine, and then you got to keep it frozen all the way through. So it's perishable. And the first. Um, the first wedding show we did, we um, <clears throat> there were three ice cream shops there, and they were and people were just going around taste testing. Well, anyway, uh, this is probably 2009, um, so I'm I'm uh, <coughs> so I'm um, so there's um, Cold Stone was there, and they were early stage of their catering. And their freezer wasn't um, operating correctly, so they were their their ice cream was thawing, but just from the top. So they were just scooping off the top and throwing it away. And I uh, mm-hmm. now we we bring it thawed, so everything we bring is is on, in a cooler and ice, and we don't really have we don't have to we don't really have the perishable problem, because as long as there's ice, it's 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 safe. So. Anyway, I felt bad for him, so I went over and said, "Hey, can I refreeze your ice cream for you, so you don't have to throw it away for the for the next day or you know keep going?" So I actually went over there and refroze the ice cream. So that's that's one of the huge advantages we have <laughs> is that we don't have to take a freezer out. We don't have to, you know, the the cost of 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 doing uh, mobile is so much lower. We don't have to have generators. Um, you know, we can we can do everything very, very portable. Now, in the science presentations, we start, we, it's very much, 
a lot of people think of like when you come out to do a presentation as a, as a company, it's very much corporate based. You're just trying to do marketing. You know, when, um, when the pizza companies come out and do a day with the elementary schools, you know, they're just making pizza. They're not really doing much as far as like STEM education. It's good education. Don't get me wrong on how to make a pizza, but it's, but when I, when we go out, we very intentionally have made the, the, uh, um, uh, the information we present, not about ice cream. So it's, we use nitrogen to talk about atmosphere, the ideal gas law, condensation, evaporation, space, uh, um, states of matter, and then water crystal structure. But the water crystal structure is where we tie it into the ice cream because that's, where, that's what makes the difference is how the water crystal forms. And then we do serve ice cream at the end. Um, but we feel pretty passionate that th- there needs to be that wholly educational aspect of the business. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's definitely uh, a key component, without a doubt. And of course, the fact that you're able to, you know, be mobile with your unit uh, obviously provided you a great opportunity when you were on. Shark Tank because you were able to demonstrate right in front of them and serve them with ice cream. But tell us briefly right. about that experience. You know, so many people are intrigued by Shark Tank, and of course, even even today, you know, you see you know entire days of reruns on CNBC of Shark Tank, and of course, I know that all too well because we start seeing you know an influx of leads coming in every time you know Shark Tank. Uh, is aired, and it was the uh, the episode where you and Naomi were on the show. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, we uh, we went in and uh, we we applied, and we I, ironically we you know the the best way to apply. I mean, you could do the casting calls, but we just sent an email. I put some video in, and um, wasn't very good. Anyway, I didn't, I don't check, I'm really not very good at at voicemail. We emailed, so I expected an email back. So they've sent a voicemail. And um, 30 days later, I'm checking my voicemail. And um, anyway, (laughs) luckily we've met their casting call deadline. Um, They flew us down. It's very, very, you have no idea whether you're going to be on the show or you're going to air. They, They fly you down. It's all right, you got five days you need to be available. If you're not available, you're out. Okay, so we're going to be available. So we um, we fly down, you go through an orientation, and, they, and then you do a, a brief presentation in front of the producers, and, um, and then you go back to the hotel, and they'll call you if, um, if they want you. And then the next day that you give you a call, okay, you got 15 minutes to be out and in front, we went out at 9 o'clock in the morning. I think it was 7 o'clock at night. We're sitting in a dressing room that entire time, um, just practicing our pitch. And um, and we're like, we're not going to get filmed. It was the last day of, I think, second to the last day of filming for the year. And so we're like, if you don't get filmed, that's it. So, But even if you do get filmed, you may not air and so mm-hmm. the the um so we um um so they call us we're i think second to last filming of the night and the reason we were so late is because the uh the lots require um fire marshals when you're dealing with certain things like if you have a flame um mm-hmm. so if there's a flame or electrical or nitrogen the fire marshal has to stand there. He just hadn't showed up yet. So it's um, oh, wow. so we were waiting that whole day just for the fire marshal to come. So we we go through, and and we, we had some pre-made ice cream. We were going to give it to the sharks, and they were starting to soften. And if you um, – and so everything's already set up, and we're behind the curtain, and they don't know anything about what you're going to bring. Um you know, and I, I said, hey, I really want to go out there and freshen up these ice creams. The producer's like, no, 
you can't go out there. You know, they can't see you. They can't get a clue to what's heading their way. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, well, unbeknownst to us, right before us, too, uh, was it, who's the family guy, uh, the creator? It's, um, um, anyway, he's on there with somebody else, and he's eating our, our uh, mix-ins that are on the table. And I'm like, oh, great. He says, well, I thought it was stage food. And um, so anyway, <laughs> so we, we had to reset up. We go through the, you know, the, um, you know, the gangplank. Then you stand there. So they put you on a mark, and then they say, okay, stop. And then they do camera check. And I am not very animated. I'm not very energetic when it comes to presentation. So I, um, they kept on saying, you know, more energy, more energy. So I took two energy shots before they walked in. So it just <laughs> hit me as I'm standing there, and I'm getting dizzy. And then they don't give you, like, one, two, three, go. They go, go. And I'm like, oh, crap. So you start going. Well, if you notice on the show, I goof. You know, I kind of missed my spot where I was supposed to shoot the nitrogen out at them. And they kind of <laughs> joke about, like, how did you forget that? I did. I forgot the one thing about our product that really shows well, but it still worked out well, and it was it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of stuff that got cut. Um, like Mark and Lori rushed the stage and wanted to make ice cream, and I must have looked pretty uncomfortable because it was, you know, um, because they just I mean it was like they ran toward us. Uh, we had to make ice cream and. I would say by the time we were done, we Mark probably had three or four servings. Um, wow! So nothing starts as planned on that show. Like we had each individual person had an ice cream made for them with a specific flavor and mixing, and everybody ended up with different ice creams. So it was it was very so a lot of things we expected to talk about about the flavor and the like Mark being lactose intolerant, he didn't want the lactose free. So we made a different ice cream for him. So it was was a lot, you know, so it's, I I would say the most about it is that it's unpredictable. It's completely unpredictable. Well, and it sounds like the the journey from where you started to where you are today, there was a lot of uh, unpredictability along the way. Let's talk a little bit about as we're we're getting close to the top of the hour. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the, the franchise model. What does the uh, ideal candidate look like for Sub Zero? Um, well, capital is, is one. Uh, making sure that we, I, you know, I think that ideally having multiple locations is is a benefit. Um, being focused on that uh, location is everything. I mean, it's it really is for ice cream. There's no substitute for a bad location. I mean, a good location. I meant, um, you know, you you it, that can make or break a. Um, um, I I would say somebody that is very passionate about, you know, the. Uh, the product, uh, you have to really believe in this product. And I, I, you know, I almost, I don't want to say that you have to drink the Kool-Aid, but, you know, you really need to be, um, believe that this is, is unique and that there's, there's something we're doing here that's beyond ice cream. And it's not just the science, it's also the dietary. Um, you know, because it's not frozen until you order it, you know, we have vegan option, we, we have, uh, lactose-free, we have sugar-free in all the different flavors. So there's there's more choice and availability for people that have dietary needs, and that's um, that's kind of really special. You know, there's just nothing like that in the marketplace today. So I think having passion and um, for the customers, for the customer, to really to serve the customer in the way they need it. Um, the um, and then being willing to do what you need to do to make it work. 
What I mean by that is when I had the uh, the burrito shop, the the franchise, I was buying equipment from a store that closed, and I, he was a fireman, and so he would work, you know, three days on, four days off, something like that. And um, and I said, why are you closing your store? It's not, it, it's it's profitable, right? And he says, yeah. He says, but it's getting in the way of my fishing. And I was <laughs> like, huh. If it's going to get in the way of your fishing, don't buy a store. So that's um yeah, it's kind of kind of kind of hard to to run a business successfully these days. And of course, you know, uh hopefully one gets to a point and has the right systems and processes in place and the right managers in place that they can afford to uh to get away every, right. every so often, but you know, certainly For sure. um Entrepreneurship has its uh, has its requirements. It definitely has its uh, time requirements. There's, Jerry, tell us uh, how. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. And you're right. And it, it's just priority, I guess, is what I was trying to get at. Yeah, I think it's a big priority. Uh, and I know you know Sub Zero, you know, has a, uh, a, a a pretty wide span of of franchisees. I know there's you know a, a successful area developer that's. Uh, with the uh, uh, has ties into the uh, Subway sandwich chain. There's there's people from all walks of life, and, uh, mm-hmm. and it's real exciting to see the the excitement and the passion, you know, from franchisees, and, and of course uh, even even to an extent the ones that are a little bit less um, aggressive in their in their business strategy, um, still seem to be very uh, passionate to an extent about the brand. And and that's good because you're going to have people from all, all walks of life, and of course, you know, location is is a big part of this. But I think you know probably the uh, the number one factor, at least in my mind, from what I've seen and in and uh, in, in, in heard from customers sitting outside, you know, stores and experiencing it myself, is the experience factor. I mean, it is a destination. Um, I know I've seen people, you know, come out and the kids are ooing and on about it and they're chatting about it. And as they're walking outside, um, they're not even focused on what's in their hands, which, of course, is the ice cream that was just made. It's what they're going to get the next time. I mean, they're already mm-hmm. planning the next visit, and I think that's just a testament to what you and Naomi created. But tell our listeners how they could learn more about the franchise opportunities with Sub-Zero Ice Cream. Um, I would just suggest, you know, go, um, there's a lot of YouTube videos. Um, ask our um, – go on the website and just there's a, a, some basic information. Um, you know, Google me and Naomi. Um, but there's a there's – a, and then I would talk to, talk to you, Paul, and that's, that's – uh, you're going to have the most information, um, you know, the more and, – and then also get – and you're going to contact them with franchisees too that are going to be able to give them, you know, the real day to day what it what it is to be a sub zero, um, you know. And and I think the other thing too is that look for, you know, the character, you know, the of the of the brand you're you're looking at, and um, you know, make sure you're. Um, you're happy with the um, um, with the brands that you're looking at. That they they have the same values. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it, Jerry. These days, I mean, we hear the word culture a lot, but it is everything you know surrounding the organization, and it's being able to uh, live within that you know every single day. And a lot of times, you know, candidates don't look at the culture in an organization and find out. Um, not that there's anything wrong, bad, indifferent. It's just not the right fit. And uh, and this is a, a fun, you know, family-focused business. Uh, I personally think it's outstanding. Um, of course, my, uh, my relationship with you aside, uh, and I look for great things. I mean, Sub-Zero is, is on the grow. Uh, can you give us just a, a, a parting comment as what you see in the future for Sub-Zero Ice Cream? Um, 
Well, I think we're going to grow much more rapidly. It's going to be easier to build stores. Uh, the more we grow, we'll have better supply chain. Um, the um, so I just I I really see some really real positive things going forward. Um, we've gone through the you know the the trials you know and I think that's um, as you know Paul I mean uh, there's there's only a limited number of, of franchises that have even reached a hundred stores. Now we're not to a hundred stores, but um, the uh, it's a it's a tough road to hoe. We won't be that far far off from that this year. So it's um, but getting to that that stability mark, I think is is a real is a real big um, plus. So we're also bringing on a lot better. Uh, not not that our early people our early people are. I'm not trying to knock them. We're bringing on much. Uh, more experienced franchisees today than we have in the past. And that's, um, and we have a variety of different people. We have people that are from safety, from food. And that's one of the benefits I think we have is the fact that uh, over say our competitors in the nitrogen space is that our team is such a broad background, you know, from oil and gas safety managers where we bring in that that real uh, strong safety experience um, mm-hmm. to the, the subway area developers, which, by the way, you know, we're the number one subway area developers um, last year. So it's, uh, you know, there's these, these are not the, they're the, you know, top of the bunch. Yeah, definitely bringing in you know experience. I think that's all a testament to the brand and the and the business model, and certainly the results of, of opening a store now every few weeks is is certainly um, results enough to uh, to prove out. So, uh, Jerry, I really want to thank you for being on franchise today. Um, it's it's most appreciated. I know our listening audience um, is is definitely uh, excited about it. For more information on Sub-Zero Ice Cream, you can uh, obviously contact myself or anybody here at Franchise Foundry. But, you know, look at the website, www.subzeroicecream.com. There's all kinds of articles online on entrepreneur.com, cranes, uh, you name it. There's out there. Just Google Sub-Zero Ice Cream or, or Jerry and Naomi Hancock. Jerry, again, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Well, that's another uh, show uh, on the books. Uh, we definitely missed uh, Stan today. Uh, he'll be back with me next week. Bring on Dr. John Hayes, and we'll be talking about some of the new things that he has going on, and, and especially in the education aspect, as he's the director of the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You know, some people aren't aware uh, he'll be teaching courses that actually lead to a bachelor's degree with a concentration in franchising. I myself am very, very uh, excited about that. And uh, so until next week, my name is Paul Secreto, wishing you the best, the very best in this great, great thing we call franchising and franchise today. Franchise Pro. Stand the man, Paul Segretto. Time to show you the way of franchising today. Hey, do you possess the spirit of an entrepreneur? Wanna lay your business plan down like a rug or a floor? Or maybe you have a dream of opening a chain of delis? Or whatever the passion lights that pilot life under your belly? Or do you want to start a business, fam, using the proven trademark from another brand? Huh. And grow together and expand like a rage of fire From a single to a multi-unit empire Well, pay attention to this podcast that you hear It's streaming in HD, so fine-tuned both your ears And Stan and Paul lays down the law Whether you want to be a franchisee or a franchisor It's all about sustainable growth, the sensible franchising Proving concepts and smart enterprises So use your left and right side of your brain And absorb this knowledge here of franchising today Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising.
franchise today. Sustainable growth to sensible franchise. Franchise today. Mm-hmm.